Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How you doing, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. I got my Teenage Werewolves Horror Film Fiend Club membership card in the mail today. And I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited to be a member of a club. <laughs> oh my god, so wait, what, what exactly, uh, what, what, do you, what, what does one get when they become part of this club? Okay, so when you get to be a part of the Teenage Werewolves Horror Film Fiend Club, Mm -hmm. you get a member card, a sticker, and a really kind letter from um, the people who run the club. So basically, uh, Tyler and Becky from the club Mm -hmm. decided uh, that their high school after-school program should be introducing teenagers to practical effects horror movies oh fuck yeah oh my and God. what's even better is this besides just being it's not even a rinky dink high school club like my manga and anime club in high school was like we had membership cards but never met except for one time at the cc's pizza and like <laughs> these kids are out here with like stickers and enamel pins and oh. they've got drew marvick joining this club and oh, like all yeah. these horror creators so it's also cool to feel like we've made it as a podcast that yeah. like they part of- they they inducted me as a member because of the the show yeah we're all part of like a community together it's well exactly. you know what you, you know what it is um scream four I, like, watching that, I got, like, retroactive high school jealousy because, you know, who didn't want to belong to a fucking, like, cool horror movie film club or something in high school where, you know, everybody, you know, it's like they've all got these weird, you know, inside film jokes and everybody knows stuff about horror and I don't know, like, I I think, especially in my adult life, which, by the way, tonight I am actually um, playing hooky from uh, Horror Trivia Night. Uh, in Hollywood, at uh, thank dead... you for your service. Thank of course, you for your sacrifice. Of course, of course. Uh, at uh, uh, Dead Right Horror Trivia, which is run by uh, Blumhouse, and mostly because I realized, like, a, I really just want to hang out and do a podcast tonight, and then b, it was sort of like, I, I don't know, being around. Now it is kind of great sitting in a room full of fucking horror goblins and knowing that you are absolutely not the biggest ghoul in the room, that. The dude next to you is way more of a dork than than you are when it comes to horror, and it's just, it's really, I don't know, it's, it's a fucking lovely environment, and everybody's just so excited about horror, and I love the idea of horror as, and I think this is a thing that we try to, you know, do with the podcast, is that horror is a giant group high five because we all get really excited about horror and we think it's great. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, and that's what I'm so excited to talk about Bloodfest tonight, because... Mm-hmm. It is simultaneously a high five and like razzing the shit out of oh, us. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm so here for just getting swirled by a movie. Uh, yeah, that movie. It's 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 like that meme of like uh, the kid shoving the other kid in the locker, and they're labeled like you know uh, anime fans getting shoved in the locker, and then the bully is me who also watches anime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> you nerds. But <laughs> let's talk about our three hundredth movie holy shit we quincy let's let's just take this moment we have done now 300 movies for this podcast in the last year and the 300th movie is spooky buddies (laughs) just kidding it's hereditary a good movie (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Hereditary is fine and scary, but I just don't know that it has the visceral uh, gut punch of Spooky Buddies. Cause, like, I mean, no one is sacri- No dogs are <laughs> sacrificed in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, like familial, uh, you know, gr- the, gr- the the grief process and child, you know, and, and uh, all of this stuff. It's uh, it's harrowing, but I, you know, I didn't watch any any buddy any puppies getting sacrificed, and I didn't watch a dog get murdered by a fart. Okay, so, so I was gonna say, <laughs> I just remembered that a dog gets killed by a fart in that movie, <laughs> and I an, a pickled eyeball fart, which is just crucial for this movie. I was I was also gonna say no one eats a candy bar through the wrapper, but that little girl does eat all of the candy in this man, movie. Man, all right, all right. So hereditary. Let's talk about that fucking kid, right? Um, I that honestly that child actor. Uh, knocked it out of the fucking park. Like, yeah, so, she's so good. Like, she has one of the most unnerving screen presences I've ever seen, and I'm almost kind of, um, I'm trying to think of other like uh, another kid in a horror movie who creeped me out on the same level as that kid, and I struggle to picture it. Yeah, is she playing a character with ASD? Um, I think. She's meant to be on the spectrum. Um, I think she's meant to be like. There's. I don't think they ever actually confirm it though, do they? No, they don't. I just wonder if, and I wonder if that's actually better that it's Charlie is this character that exhibits these characteristics that you say like, oh, they are on the spectrum, right? And it's not a big deal. It's just part of the character. Right, and it's, well, and, and this is, I think, another thing about um, representation in horror movies is that, I mean, again, and, and this is a bit of a soapbox, but I feel like when, when um, an important thing that I always try to keep in mind is that when we're talking about, like, uh, if you have a character with autism in a movie, the problem with, like, such a lack of representation for people with autism is that now, you know, for example, if Charlie in Hereditary is, you know, autistic... I feel like this character becomes more representative of people with autism than, like... Like, nobody looks at a movie and goes, like, well, what is this saying about white dudes? Like, suddenly, you know, if a, a character has to become the stand-in because there are so few canonically autistic characters in horror. Yeah, and, and I can see why... Maybe that's why it's not explicit in the text. It's mm-hmm. more of a subtext. Right. But, like, representation in ghoul shit is so important. So, have you read Margot Malou yet? No, I haven't read Margot Malou. So, Margot Malou is a series of comic books by Drew Wing, and it's basically Nancy Drew, except this young Indian-American girl uh, is a supernatural detective and, like, is going to the abandoned mall where teenage vampires live because when you're a vampire and you don't feed on blood you get stunted development so because they are vegan vampires because they only eat rats they're all teenagers and they're in a rock band because of course teenage vampires are in a rock band (laughs) if you're a vegan straight edge vampire true till undeath yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so like it's the most perfect um, example of like all ages comics where it's not a big deal that this character is Indian mm-hmm. uh, and you know like Southeast Asian not a big deal at all 
Right. And it's just, and, it, and it's, it's it, part of the narrative, and that's important, there. but it's not like, yeah. I, well, and I think so much of that depends on... Um, now, and this go, kind of goes back to the movie Hush, which we uh, rank on the podcast. Uh, and I think that's one of the main beefs, beefs uh, I have with the movie Hush, is that you know, you've got a, a deaf-mute character played by an able-bodied actor, and... You know, the and I, I think there's a bigger conversation to have around it, but I think it's that the creators reacted really, really ungraciously when they were called out by, you know, deaf mute people online when they were like, you guys completely fucked up um, how, like, this character is portrayed. You should have gotten an actor who's actually disabled for this part. Um, and so with her, uh, Hereditary, I feel like, yeah, that the way that um, Charlie is um, played, especially in the plot... I feel like the parents, I'm glad that they didn't do a sort of, you know who has it really tough? Parents of children with autism. Yeah, yeah, it is not that. And, yeah. I mean, those those narratives are really great. I'm a big fan of Atypical, but also this right. movie can be creepy, but also have representation. Man. And just to give a shout out, um, the, the latest volume of... Margot Malou is called The Creepy Case Files of Margot Malou, The Monster Mall. So it's recommended for fans of Hellboy. I would say recommended... If you like Hellboy, if Hellboy was a 10-year-old uh, Asian girl with a dopey boy sidekick, um, it's Holy shit. Good. I, yeah, I, I, lo- I love everything about that. Oh, and, and goth vampire teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Holy shit. I honestly, so here's, so with Hereditary, I think uh, when, we, when we were talking about doing Hereditary, uh, I think the the way I put it was, I can't wait to know how I feel about Hereditary. <laughs> because yeah, it's, it's, oh man, I, I feel some kind of way about it. So um, we should figure out uh, how much of this movie, should we, uh, we, should we just give the amount of spoilers that would be available on the back cover of the Blu-ray? It's demon shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's on some demons. They're shit. fucking with demons. That's the deal, right? right? Which, which, so it's which like, for you, you especially, like you, you don't, uh, you don't cotton to demons specifically. I don't like. cotton to demons, and I, I want to make it clear that I'm not. I'm skeptical. I don't believe in demons, mm-hmm. but why risk it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you know, you don't have anything to prove. Uh, you don't need to. You don't need to fuck around with it because uh, you, you don't. You know. You don't, you don't so have to. the the Bell Witch Festival is coming up, and mm-hmm. one I really wish you could make it oh, to the Bell Witch Festival, but it's like that is untenable because the amount of money that it would take you to travel <laughs> here to go to the most podunk witch <laughs> festival you can imagine. Man, that's listen. If I'm if I'm shelling out to go anywhere, it's for a podunk witch festival. <laughs> like that's. But like also, yeah. I kind of don't. I want to go, but also I kind of don't because. <laughs> Why fuck with witches if you don't have to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also with Re- and, and so with Hereditary, I mean, honestly, this movie, um, we so with with without without giving any spoilers, uh, this movie I feel like is hugely influenced by seventies horror. By oh, which, for sure. By which I mean, I feel like it cycles through which seven iconic seventies horror movie it wants to be before finally settling because like it's kind of like uh it's the omen because there's a creepy kid uh no actually it's um not so much that the kid is creepy as that the uh it's the amityville horror nope uh the changeling and then it finally goes you know what you know what this movie is rosemary's baby get fucked like it it, <laughs> it finally lands on that and you I, I i kind of appreciate now i uh i think i was talking to my buddy jess about this and kind of ragging on it a little bit and jess pointed out like listen to me this movie is not 
a, a coherent narrative that's meant to be watched all the way through and taken seriously as an as a, a linear narrative it's more like a tone poem like it's about visuals and atmosphere and emotional resonance like there's a scene in this where it's the a family eating dinner and i was white knuckling it through that scene yeah yeah the the quietest scenes are the most unsettling because it's almost like the banal like the movie deals with grief and generational trauma and almost the banality of those things yeah. is scarier than when there's actual devil shit happening in the movie oh man you're exactly right like there's so i don't think it's a spoiler to say what the major inciting incident of the movie is right right yeah um, you can go for that so uh charlie um, what, what happens is that through a series of mishaps, uh, Charlie, the creepy kid who like makes dolls out of human teeth or eats hair or whatever the fuck weird behavior this, this demon child does, um, she gets killed accidentally. Um, he, she's, she has a, uh, an aller uh, allergic attack at a party that her brother, uh, that she was dragged to with her brother. And he sort of was like, he put her in a room and was like, all right, you know, entertain yourself and, and whatever. I'm trying to go smoke weed with a girl. And the kid snarfs some uh, nuts that she is allergic to. So she starts having a reaction and he's like, oh, fuck. So they get in the car to go drive to the hospital. And, you know, he's panicking. She's panicking. She can't breathe. So she hangs her head out the window of the car to get air because she can't breathe. And she gets her head knocked off when it sideswipes a utility pole. Yeah, and I was thinking this is a spoiler, except it is so intricate. The end of the movie is so intricate and interlocked mm -hmm. that that's just the beginning of the movie. And later, all of that is exploded and revealed to be so much more. Yeah, yeah. I... Yeah, it's about grief of rapid succession. Um, Annie, the mother, losing her mother and then her daughter in the same, like, month. So apparently death skips a generation. Um, and yeah, that's exactly... The problem is, like, also, uh, the mother in this, like... She is an artist who does, like, little tiny miniatures and has, like... Uh, which, by the way, I feel like 70s horror-inspired movies... What is it with everybody who's got an art exhibit that's going up next week? Like, everybody is working on an, an installment, and it's all, it also coincides with, like, creator breakdown, where their, their lives are falling apart. And I think one of the, the, one of the fucking creepiest parts of this movie that I love so much is the mother making a tiny uh, miniature diorama of her daughter's headless body in the car, and it's just, like, a tiny model, and... Her husband yeah, is and like, her husband, who's named fucking Steve, says, <laughs> what are you doing? Stop. Yeah, and she's like, what? It's Dude, no, no, nah, man, it's cool. It's fine. And I'm, I I'm, also I'm... love that this whole movie, Steve, is the fucking worst because <laughs> he's Steve. like, Annie, you're making all of this up. And yeah. we, the audience, are going, no, Steve, it's for real. And yeah. he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love that he's named Steve because it's a great like schmo name to yell like shut shut the fuck up steve he's like, the worst in this movie steve. yeah he is he is and it's great because um now there's also the horror movie logic thing which like uh when uh you know because with nightmare on elm street for example and uh christina has pointed this out that you know the kids in these movies um you as the audience know that the threat they face is legitimate that freddy krueger is actually haunting their dreams there's a sins of the father thing coming back through their dreams to take vengeance on the kids. And so when the parents in these movies tell the kids, you just need to get some sleep, 
as a viewer, you know that that's like the worst advice you could give these kids. Where, you know, if you were, like, imagine that you actually had a kid who hadn't slept in three days and they were like, if I fall asleep, a dream demon is going to kill me. You would also, in real life, be like, kiddo, I'm worried about you. You gotta get some sleep. Like, there, there are certain things that we only are down with because we're watching a horror movie that if you were actually going through these things, you would 100% have no idea that this was real. Yeah, yeah. And, and even watching it, there are points where the film, the director plays with dream in a way where oh, you're yeah. like, I cannot confirm if this part of the movie is really happening or a dream sequence. Yeah. So it's very yeah. disorienting and creepy in that way. Well, and, and it's disorienting, but it's also disorienting in a way that, um, so I, 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 the thing that I kept going back to, uh, while trying to figure out how I felt about the movie is the title hereditary because i feel like that's the key to figuring out how i feel about this movie and how it works because i feel like this movie is it's to me flawed but deeply deeply interesting yes like i i i think so yeah because i think as a straightforward narrative it doesn't necessarily hold up for me because i don't know which i don't know which character i'm supposed to be following as the focal point of the film and i don't know what things i'm supposed to be focusing on and thinking about and and um because like you know there's the son in this movie which by the way the the son in this movie who uh when he was a kid um the, the the mother in this film she was like she sleep she sleepwalks and when he was a kid, she, like, doused him in paint thinner while he was sleeping and was hovering next to him holding a match while she was sleepwalking. And, you know, so the, bo the, the, the boy who was responsible for Charlie's head getting knocked off, he... Oh, my God. Like, as far as tense domestic dramas go, that shit wrecks me. And the, the dinner scene where the son is, like, screaming at the mom to, like, just say what you're thinking and stop... You know, or no, like, the mother's yelling at the son, like, would you stop just resenting me and, and, you know, you need to talk about this. We need to engage with this as a family. And nobody in this family wants to engage with any of these, like, sebaceous things that are about to burst above the surface. Yeah, they just want to eat their dried-ass uh, chicken <laughs> move about their lives. Can we talk about the way food is represented in this movie for a minute? Ooh, please. I didn't even think about that. So... The most absurd moment in this film is when they go to this house party and there's a girl just chopping an entire <laughs> chopping board of walnuts, which I guess mechanically you need because it's already been established that Charlie is allergic to tree nuts. Mm -hmm. So then she walks in the party and you're like, she's in danger. But also... And, you know, I can't really speak to this because I was never invited to parties as a teenager. But what <laughs> right. house party just has a girl chopping nuts to hip-hop? Yeah, no, that's just Walnut Chopping Sally hanging out, <laughs> listening to hip-hop, chopping the walnuts. She does it at Man, every party. It's fine. There is a girl at that party. There's an actor at that party wearing a cat t-shirt, and she emotes the hell out of the background i was drawn to her because she's just in a conversation and she's saying peas and carrots peas and carrots in the most extra way possible oh my god watermelon so, watermelon watermelon, watermelon cantaloupe watermelon cantaloupe yeah she you can tell like with all the extras on this film she was like you know what you guys are gonna chill i'm gonna fucking go for it all right i'm gonna get on this fucking highlight reel I'm but it be... works because she's in every shot so they're she, like put her be. in the front because she is doing something for this film 
<laughs> oh my god. I see now. I've, now I've got to rewatch it and look specifically for the cat girl. Um, but yeah, like the way food is portrayed in this movie. Now that God damn it, now that you pointed out, food it's is not pretty... appetizing. That's for sure. <laughs> oh no, no, food is not a fun thing. Um, god damn, yeah, food pops up a lot, and also. Um, because we're talking about, like, bodily autonomy and family alienation. And honestly, for me, like, as someone, without going into it too much, as somebody who grew up with um, an abusive family member, dinner, like, family dinner is a very specific thing that makes me panic and, and makes me uncomfortable. Like, it's one of the reasons I have, in my adult life, eaten dinner in the living room on the couch. Like, I, I try not to eat dinner at a table, usually in a small house, if I can help it. Um because of like weird associations and so like sitting through that scene with you know tony collette you know sort of screaming at her son and that also the oh my god oh my god okay the scene in hereditary that is stuck with me the most is the son in this right after charlie uh gets her head knocked off he sits in the car in total silence the score has stopped there is just it's him in a car with his sister's headless body and he is just staring forward not even processing this just like you could tell that there's like a ringing noise in his ear probably and what does he do does he drive to the hospital does he call 911 nope he drives home and just gets out of the car goes into the house crawls into bed and stares forward and just you know, he he doesn't sleep. He just sit, is in bed staring forward because his sister is dead. And then you hear Tony Collette, like, the next morning when the sunlight is out, screaming in the distance once she finds Charlie's body in the car. That performance of the guy just staring into space, that is some of the most tense, beautiful filmmaking I have ever had the fucking pleasure to witness. Man, Alex Wolf in general, this kid is really good. Did you know he was born in 97? I am we 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 so old. We are we so have old. wasted our lives. And this fuck. kid is here like He was acting. born he was born the year Princess Diana died. Holy shit, he's Durf in my friend Dahmer. I oh, Yeah, of course he shit. is. Oh shit, he's Durf. Oh my god. Yeah. Holy Which fuck. in out of context for people doesn't make any sense, but he's, <laughs> he's Durf. Durf back Durf. He is Dirk Factor. I that man, yeah, that kid. Honestly, I think even the shit butt husband in this, I don't think there's a weak performance in no. this movie. I think my biggest problem is I literally had to read the Wikipedia page because I didn't understand what happened. Like plot points were yeah. unclear to me because there's well, a lot that's revealed and given significance but is unclear? I, I, I'm i trying to think of, like, a way to not... Like, maybe I'm just a dumb-dumb, and I'm trying to say this in a way that makes me sound intelligent. Oh, sure. But there's just stuff that's revealed, and you're supposed to put the pieces together, yeah. and in the two-hour runtime of this movie, it doesn't click. It's like, either read a summary, or days later, maybe understand it. Yeah, yeah, I th yeah. I think you've um. Well, and you've and landed I don't on a know problem. If that's a feature or a bug. Yeah, that's exactly well, and and hence again, this is the equivalent of I've just eaten um a thing I found at a gas station called Big Mama's pickled sausage. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it necessarily. I know it was certainly an experience that I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of my life. Um, well, and and the thing is, you've hit the nail on the head. I think that Get it. I'm calling the police. <laughs> 
relatedly. Big Mama's pickled sausage. Get out of town. <laughs> Which I have now eaten, and you know what? It's not bad. Kind of vinegary. Um, I found it at 7-Eleven. It was like, this is called Big Mama's pickled sausage. And then I was like, well, now I gotta fucking eat it. It's the color of a traffic cone. It frightens me. I need to... Yeah, it's the color of, like, 70s horror movie blood. Just like that red-orange kind of... Kinda you got Lone color. Wolf and Cub going on in your stomach right now. <laughs> I'm gonna wake up. My stomach's just gonna be on the bed next to me smoking a cigarette. Like, you're a fucking asshole. So, um, I just had a uh, booberry for the first time in my life uh, this past month. Hold, so, what? tell me, what, what was your emotional journey eating blueberry, blueberry, booberry for the first time? I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I've had Count Chocula before. Count Chocula uh-huh. is much better. Yeah, I would say that um, Count Chocula, there's a reason Count Chocula is the heavy hitter of the trio. <laughs> And Frankenberry and Booberry are sort of the second stringers of the monster yeah. cereals. I really want the the problem with the monster cereals is yummy is Fruit Brute because uh-huh. it doesn't exist has gotten this reputation as like you know forbidden Fruit Brute. Right, it's like so the gummy really Venus de Milo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fruit Brute is like if you could actually find it's it's like uh, it's if I the ecto cooler of the monster cereals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Fruit Brute is like the equivalent of, you know, anytime that they find like a sarcophagus full of uh, honey that's thousands of years old, and you know that this is probably like mummy honey, but you know, you're like, well, I mean, you know, if I were excavating a sarcophagus and I found a giant thing of honey, would I dip a finger in it and taste the honey? You're goddamn right I would. And like, if I found an, a, 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 an expired box of Fruit Brute from like 1985, absolutely I would, listen, I would eat a handful of Fruit Brute. It Full disclosure, take... it took every ounce of willpower not to crack open the commemorative Ramsey's Coke <laughs> that I found in my aunt's uh, shed oh, from, man. like, 1979, like, commemorative <laughs> Coca-Cola. Because that's original formula Coke. That's not new Coke, so that yeah. would have been my chance to know oh, what it tasted like. So this was it Coke also before... would have killed me a la Teen Angel from TGIF. <laughs> That's right, he ate a tainted, uh... Hamburger under his bed. That's right, yeah, teen, which I had forgotten about Teen Angel. Also, um, hey, that reminds me... Hey, Ryan, me. can we talk about Teen Angel? That, <laughs> that teenager dies from eating an old hamburger and then just has to hang out with his friend and give him advice. Right, he's like, oh, my friend, the wacky angel who died of food poisoning. And he's got a... Although that reminds me of... Um, have you ever seen... It was like a cable classic when I was a kid. Uh, my Boyfriend's Back... I've heard about this, but I've never seen it. Oh, that's a stay tuned for sure. That's uh, my boyfriend's back is a uh, zombie comedy, um, a, zom- a zombie romantic uh, teen comedy from the early '90s, where it's a like zomedy? a zombie. <laughs> yes, a zombie about uh, this kid who he's uh, like a high school senior, and there's you know he's got his main squeeze that he wants to ask to the school dance, but then he like he's working his date like his night job at a place and. He gets shot by a mugger, and then, because he really wants to take her to prom, he comes back as a zombie, but then he starts eating people, so he has to, like, control his bloodlust if he wants to take her to the prom. The important thing here, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a high school jock. This was, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's first movie ever, and 
Anyway, so at some point, we should totally do My Boyfriend's Back, because this movie made me cry as a kid because of the, like, oh no, he's dancing with her at the prom, but his body is falling apart, and he just loves her so much, and it's, like, the most ridiculous, like, sub-OG Buffy horror movie. But anyway, anyway. So I wonder if um, we could also do Teen Angel, because Ron Glass was in that show. Shepard <laughs> Book, no Serenity, Ron Glass was God's cousin Rod. <laughs> The, you know, the 90s were like a shared hallucination. It's I, very weird. And, and he Jesus. wore like a like a tracksuit because, you know, 1997 <laughs> and angels. So, like, he's a teenager, so it's white. Oh, um, my also God. Also in more like this for... Oh, never mind. I switched tabs really fast and didn't realize that I was looking at the hereditary tab. So it said more like this Deadpool 2 and upgrade. I thought that was the Teen Angel page on IMDb. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not wrong. I mean, it's a meta commentary on um, the supernatural. You know, it's uh, a hero's journey. Um, it's yeah, it's all of those things. It's all it's all in the mix together. So, um, is Hereditary better than The Babadook in terms of movies dealing with family horror or intro? Oh, oh, see, I now this is this is a great fucking question because I sort of love also that especially for horror like. Tony Collette's performance as a grieving mother was heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, watching her ugly weeping because her only daughter is dead. Like, it's honestly, like, I would say the, the first ten minutes after Charlie dies are some of the most fucking harrowing drama I have seen. And I saw, and when I went and saw Hereditary, I saw it with three of my coworkers, and um, all of my coworkers saw me cry during Tony Collette grieving the death of, of her daughter. Um, but I feel like as a statement on grieving, I feel like the Babadook has a more cohesive thesis, a cohesis. Um, it's, it, it knows what it wants to say more. And I think it more effectively accomplishes that where I feel like hereditary, I feel like it kind of can't settle on any one thing before moving on to the next thing. Like it's got all this shit it wants to do in it. And it's a thing that I kind of value about Hereditary that it's it doesn't feel beholden to any one kind of narrative because it's always doing the next thing and the next thing. Um, and I feel like The Babadook is a more uh, consistent statement and meditation on grief yeah. that sort of sees it through to the end. Yeah, I, I feel like The Babadook doesn't let us as the audience off the hook and mm -hmm. this is the biggest spoiler I'll give. Um, Hereditary says, man, uh, devil shit, huh? And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> so you could easily say, yeah, it's not real, and be fine. And the Babadook is like, oh, by the way, this is a metaphor for grief. It never goes away. Good night. Oh, yeah. And that's the true terror of the Babadook, is that the monster has been our brains the whole time. And then Man, you are just like the mom. Uh, you, the audience member, whoever you are, are just like the mom, and you'll never get away from it. Ah, uh, that's a great fucking point. Yeah, the ending of Hereditary, I feel like it's gonzo enough. Um, which, by the way, the score is really good for the Babadook, especially during the ending. I was really impressed. Um, but I, the ending of the Babadook is, I think, one of my favorite endings maybe ever in a movie. Yeah. Because it would have been disingenuous if ultimately... And of course, I don't. I think we can spoil The Babadook because everybody's either basically seen it or... Guys, it's 2018. Watch The Babadook. Um, but yeah, the fact that you never really get to totally defeat grief or depression 
like you you put it down in the basement you pay your respects you you know and it touches the rest of your life like it will turn the roses in your garden black it, it will change your life above ground but you never get to have that final climactic victory over the thing yeah um and yeah and i feel like hereditary what it does well it does so well but i feel i don't know um I was actually surprised. Now, okay, and I, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I, I feel like I might sound like I'm talking shit about Hereditary, uh, and I, and I kind of am. But also, I really like Hereditary, and I've watched it three times since seeing it the first time, and I still kind of don't know how I feel about it. Which to me is great. Like, I love going to see a movie like that that's deeply interesting and deeply flawed, and makes me walk away scratching my face, going, "Well, goddamn, I don't know what to do with that." Yeah. So let's move down the list a little bit how about pan's labyrinth Ooh, better okay. is hereditary better or worse than pan's labyrinth that's a great question what do you think consider this Anne dowd is in hereditary and she rules she plays Joni, oh, and she's also aunt lydia on um the handmaid's tale oh that's true she's aunt lydia I, I want to say something topical um, with the note that it's with the note that's going to age like spoiled milk. But oh, sure. today I saw a sexy Handmaid's Tale costume. Oh, you're doing no. it wrong. It, that's, no, that's a no, bad no. look. That's it's a, a bad bakery. Very, very. Yeah, it's oof. no. I that's. I mean. Why would you do it? You know, like I, I maybe even as a cheeky joke, it's like that. Even if you were all right, here's the thing. Even if you were going to make that shitty joke at any point, maybe not right now when Kavanaugh might limit reproductive freedom if he's confirmed. Like in the current political climate, maybe not great. Man, it that show isn't fun. It's it's oh. important, but it is not fun oh. to watch. It's it's inc- it's incredible, but you can't fucking you can't exactly binge watch The Handmaid's Tale. No, it it will it will hollow your soul out and and uh, destroy it. Now, if so, between Pan's Labyrinth and Hereditary, I think both of those are kind of dealing with a kind of loss. Yeah, because I think Pan's Labyrinth is sort of a a, a meditation on on war and on death and on sort of who feeds on death and who profits from the misery of others and i feel like they're ah, fuck i like them both a lot but i feel like if i uh, i were going to apply a thing like which is better to either of them which granted is the entire conceit of our podcast <laughs> if i did the <laughs> thing that i have to do right <laughs> if i did the thing that was the entire uh, gimmick of the of, of the podcast i'm gonna go ahead and say that Pan's Labyrinth is better than Hereditary, at least because I think it's it more consistently does the thing that it's trying to do, where Hereditary is wildly interesting, but doesn't necessarily hold up as a cohesive narrative the way Pan's Labyrinth does. Yeah, now here's where that's going to fall apart, because I'm going to say Hereditary should go above what we do in Shadows, because even though what we do in Shadows is like perfect narrative, it's <laughs> funny, and I feel like in terms of what a horror movie should do, Hereditary mm-hmm. is very bold and adventurous, and is yeah. trying a lot that Shaun of the Dead and What We Do in Shadows isn't. That's actually a great point. Like, Hereditary, I give it so many points for just, you know, 
going for something and like really being yeah wildly adventurous and having images that i mean again granted the ending didn't totally stick the landing for me and not all of the plot points converge into a single narrative but in terms of unnerving images and a hashtag mood that lasts all the way through the movie kind of untouchable i don't think i've ever seen a movie like hereditary yeah it's very good so that's number 27 now yeah all right which Coming is in at probably own... the last movie to crack the top 30 in a lot of episodes hey ryan yeah quincy how do you feel about pro wrestling uh i would i would describe myself as fond of pro wrestling maybe even exceedingly fond uh hey ryan yeah how do you feel about enamel pins uh, enamel pins are how I uh, use my jacket to show that I'm actually cooler than all the other kids in school, uh, and in fact too cool for school with my wrestling pins. So, yeah, you beat me to the punch. So our sponsor this week is <laughs> Lapelia.com. Yeah. Uh, Lapelia makes pro wrestling enamel pins. Yeah, like they've they've got literally, especially if you're into New Japan pro wrestling, like I am, which is what I constantly think about and talk about. Um, Lapelia has a bunch of pins uh, that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, the art on them is incredible. They have a too sweet pin. If you buy the too sweet pin, someone will too sweet your pin, and you know you want that to happen. If you both have a too sweet hand symbol pin and then you chest bump, you can too sweet each other um, with your pins. But then also, if you too sweet with uh, two other hands, that is three too sweets in one too sweet. That's just good business. Yeah. So, Lapelia has been so kind uh, to give us a promo code to share with you guys. Uh, enter the code Rank and Vile at checkout, and you can get twenty percent off your order at Lapelia.com. And then, especially uh, with um, with the promo code, you're you're giving your money to somebody who makes really really dope shit. And it's like it, this isn't a, a, a nature box thing that you would never care for or Blue Apron. This is rad wrestling pins, and you get a promo code. What's not to love? Do it. Yeah, that's uh, we've been we've been kind of hanging out around the 100s for a while. So Ryan, yeah, so coming in at our... What if we kept watching good movies? <laughs> no, 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 no. Fuck that. Here's the thing: there are lots of good movies. Anybody can go out and watch Hereditary, but not everybody has the strength of their convictions to watch uh, Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town. You know, <laughs> like like that's you know what are what are we for if not for plumbing the depths of B movie hell? You know. So let's go to my favorite segment of the podcast, the what I found on rarehalloweenvideos.blogspot.com. <laughs> Fuck yes. So you found, and I was so fucking pleased that you, you, you uh, put this on, the, on, the, thing, on the, the list of things that we're watching. Hey, if you uh, run it, Rare Halloween videos, please contact us. We want you on this show. Yeah, if you run if you run Rare Halloween videos, we are your biggest fans. You make the work week uh, bearable. Can we God hang out, all of please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please come and be on our show. Um, and and the, so the video from Rare Halloween videos that you put on the list for this week is uh, Walt Disney World Inside Out October Halloween episode from 1994. Yeah, so apparently Inside Out was a show on the Disney Channel, which is huh. basically a 30-minute Disney infomercial that aired every month to tell you uh -huh. why you should come to Disney World in the month of its airing. So it's well, like infotainment, kind of? Uh, well, and, and I tell you what, like, I, uh, so, as a, uh, as a broke kid um, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, 
Uh, I we did not have the you know with a single mom like we didn't have the money to go on vacation. But what we did have, my mom was obsessed with Disney and kind of still is. Um, and she, uh, we had a brochure video for Disney World. The that, free brochure video you could write away and get. Yeah, we would watch, and my brother and I would watch that video over and over and over again, imagining that we could go to Disney World. And so getting to go to Disneyland as an adult, I got to tell you, going on, which has since been closed down, and I, I, I um, mourn it every day, um, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror which, going on that ride for the first time, honestly, it was um, such a, uh, a fucking on-brand moment for Rankin Vile, because I got on the ride, um, and I'd been wanting to, you know, as a kid watching the fucking brochure for this thing, I'd been wanting to go on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror since childhood, and so I was really fucking excited, you know, I got to go on the ride, and it's like in a sort of a haunted hotel, and you get on the thing, and it's like it goes up 13 stories and sort of violently goes up and down and I was on the ride by myself and I was really excited and there was a tiny child next to me like this kid couldn't have been more than eight years old and he was sitting right next to me on the ride and also his family didn't want to go on but he did uh, and he was getting really really spooked on the ride like he was getting really upset and started crying and I helped him enjoy the ride by like sort of like giggling when the ride would kick up and then he would kind of look over at me and start giggling and, you know, I would, like, put my arms up and go, Wah! and the kid started mimicking me and having a really good time, and it helped him get over his fear of this ride, because, like, you could tell that he had kind of gone, oh, I fucked up, I don't want, I don't want to do this scary ride at all, and it was such a, god damn it, you know, I, if I can be sentimental, that was, I, that was a moment I really liked a lot, was helping this little ghoul enjoy a scary thing by showing him that scary stuff is fun? Yeah, it's it's really, we scare because we care. We scare because we care. And also, it's creepy with the Twilight Zone ride, because and it's, it's, they show it in this video. Uh, they basically, for 1994 technology, somehow seamlessly reconstructed um, a Rod Serling that is, like, it, obviously this is not actually Rod Serling going, what you are about to see is a bunch of people who are on an elevator. Like, they, they reconstructed a, an, an unnervingly similar Rod Serling. Yeah, it's, it's very... It, I think it is a guy doing an impersonation superimposed on actual footage. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's weird, but what's even more unnerving than that? Gilbert Gottfried. Um, yeah, this thing this is just video. like a goof em up. Well, well, the host of this show too is supposed to be funny. I think is yeah. I think he's meant to be funny. Like they 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 do little funny bits, and I think all right. There's a certain genre of music that uh, pervades this video that I feel like we need to um, pin down and think more about, which is um, whimsical Halloween music for kids. Yeah into it it's like we're sort of like do 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 and it's sort of like sort of uh you know not there's like a little bit of minor chords in it but mostly it's it's fun more than scary but there's a sort of you know giggling goblin sound in the background and it's meant to be sort of oh it's like a fun halloween thing like it's like the musical equivalent of the candy pails you'd get from mcdonald's when you were a kid yeah yeah so scott harriet is the host of this and he's like in his khakis and his polo and he's being like ironically detached because it's 1994 so we need our television hosts to be ironically detached from walt uh -huh. disney world <laughs> yeah i you know if there's anything i love about disney it's how disaffected and over it everyone is 
it's just you know he can't be bothered like oh whatever if I, doing dismissive jerk off motion at Disneyland yeah it's or like Disney World fuck either. off dude you're at the happiest place on earth <laughs> yeah and honestly like, you're sitting as... on a Mickey Mouse couch made with Mickey Mouse hands <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> Maybe appreciate this experience without fucking acting like you're too good for it. Hey, Scott, um, show up for this. Yeah. <laughs> Be yeah, present, you're getting... motherfucker. <laughs> you're getting paid for this shit. Um, and Gilbert Gottfried's sort of like, oh my god, I'm in the Twilight Zone. Like, he's just... Um, the 90s were a terrible time in which unbidden and unwarned of Gilbert Gottfried could fucking pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. It, and just start screaming at you. It was just is a thing that could happen. Well, and... And this was, like, what, a couple of years after Aladdin? So maybe, what, was he just, like, doing donuts in the parking lot like a senior who'd graduated high school at this point? I think like, he, he was, played well, no, because I'm pretty sure he was on the animated series, so I think he was just on the payroll, so they're like, Gilbert, come do this video. Ah, uh, that's, yeah, that's probably what that was, was like, hey man, can you just, like, wander around and yell, I'm in the fucking Twilight Zone? And he didn't yell, fucking. Um, which, I by mean, the way, side note... He, they I mean, probably were on the cutting room floor. He was yelling, "I'm in the fucking twilight." <laughs> I'm in the fucking twilight zone. Um, which, but have you uh, heard recordings of Gilbert Gottfried's actual voice when he's not doing the Gilbert Gottfried voice? No. It is the voice of fear, Quincy. It is. Um, imagine a heavy breathing three a.m. phone call from like a Texaco payphone, and you have Gilbert Gottfried's actual speaking voice when he's not doing the Gilbert Gottfried voice. God. It is. I, I'm it uncomfortable is. with all of this. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, it, it so let's let's get as far away from this as possible. Pleasure Island, huh? <laughs> Pleasure Island, which they do like, you know. Apparently, and it, when I think of things that terrify me, it's having to go to an improv show. Um, and they've got the a like Pleasure Improv Island. show. <laughs> a spooky improv. Jesus Christ, that's actually the most. That's the scariest thing I can think of. And it's sort of like. Uh, they show a bit from like a spooky improv show that now I and I had to think about I had to like Google like wait why is it Pleasure Island because that sounds like a fucking Skinamax show you would see at one in the morning while sleeping over at a friend's house who gets Cinemax it's the adult bar part of Disney World right and Pleasure Island also is now which is also weird to me because if you're uh, you know if you're kind of a crusty adult who's out with the kids at Disneyland or Disney World. And you want to go get a drink and maybe get away from your kids for a bit, watch a bit of sort of grown-up, you know, entertainment. You wouldn't want to maybe watch, like, ridiculous fucking howdy-doody improv knock-knock jokes, which <laughs> is what they show in this video. Yeah, it's it's a weird choice for thing. And also, uh, they're, they're very quick to say, but there's also exclusive children's clubs. And here is a bunch of them coloring paper bags. Like, imagine you're... You know, parents shell out their hard-earned money to take you to Disney World, and you're coloring right. brown paper bags with pumpkins on them. Right. Like, listen, I can do that in the garage at home. I don't need to do that at Disneyland. Um, so, and so you've got... how do you think Kristen is doing, the five-year-old who knows the etymology of Halloween? Oh, man, this kid. Can we talk about Kristen for a moment? <laughs> hey, Kristen, like... are you out there? Can we also <laughs> hang out? <laughs> Are you all right, man? Like, that's yeah, it was great. Like, this kid knows the fucking... Yeah, they're giving you the fucking business about the etymology of Halloween. Um, and yeah, like, as far as, like, it, this this video fucking stinks of 1994, and I value it so much. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's an extremely 1994 video, also because um, 
they kind of can't figure out how spooky they want this video to be for Halloween. For sure. Um, which I feel like frequently happens with sort of, is it for kids or is it for adults? Like, eh, you know, it's, it's Halloween, you know, it's, um, it does make me wonder, uh, do you think that Halloween as a holiday, okay, here's my question. Are there still kids turning out in droves to go trick-or-treating like they did when we were kids? Um, unfortunately, so scene report, uh, middle Tennessee, um, the Halloween trick-or-treating is mostly trunk-or-treats. However, I do live in the, quote, I do live near the, quote, rich, unquote, neighborhood that gives oh, out boy. the, quote, full bars, unquote. That, can we all admit that that's an urban legend? It, they don't exist. They don't exist. There was, um, I remember from a couple of years ago, uh, I remember seeing there was a Dear Abby where it was a rich lady writing in to Dear Abby and asking like, hey, so I live in a super wealthy sort of gated community type thing. And um, a lot of parents keep bringing their, you know, parents from obviously poor neighborhoods are coming to my gated community to take the kids for trick-or-treating in the good part of town. And this upsets me as a fancy rich lady, because I don't think we should be giving candy to poor people's kids. And I know this might make me a bit of a miser. I just, uh, you know, I really don't appreciate all of these uh, poor kids Kiss up a rope, coming around lady. my... It's Halloween. Yeah, yeah, coming, coming around my neighborhood. And Dear Abby rips this lady a new asshole, where, where it's just like, no, actually, here's the thing. You're terrible. These kids deserve a good Halloween like anybody else, and the parents are just trying to give their kids a good Halloween. You're a monster, and you need to stop being a monster yeah yeah like yeah it's, so I, I worry about that also because like you know i live i've lived in apartments for a while like we don't really get trick-or-treaters on halloween you know i don't building. in my neighborhood either which is why i have come to the conclusion that if anyone knocks on my door and says the phrase trick-or-treat on october 31st no october 30th <laughs> or 29th fucking off with that but yeah, if you no, show up on the 31st and you are 35 and you say trick-or-treat i will give you one fun size piece of candy because i'm a good sport <laughs> because you're a good sport and you love halloween but also yeah. fuck out fuck out of here what are you doing right but i'll do that now if you yeah. ask for a beer no go away um, <laughs> speaking from experience but like wait that that happened to you well yeah we were having a party and this guy oh. came up and uh you know someone was like here have a beer and then uh, that Halloween party was on Saturday, and Halloween, which is actually Sunday, the guy came back and was like, can I have more beer? And I was like, the person that gave you that does not live here, and I do not want you to come back to this home. Go away. Um, right. It was, it was bad. Anyway. <laughs> did, um, did he say trick or treat before soliciting beer? No, that probably would have softened the blow. Instead, uh -huh. he kind of just banged on the door and slurred beer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that always works for me. Just wandering from house to house going, beer! And then eventually somebody takes pity on you and gives you one. Yeah, um, so where do you want to put Jesus. this Walt Disney World um, movie? Is oh, it is fuck. it as good... Okay, which... Okay, actually, both from 1994, this Walt Disney uh -huh. World video and the Spooky World video, which is a better sell? Oh, boy. You know what? I'm going to go with Spooky World for this one purely because 
it's well, all right. So uh, you know, if we're doing a sort of assets and liabilities column, this video has the most laconic, bored, just rolled out of bed host that 1994 could scrape out of bed. Um, and also Gilbert Gottfried, neither of which I'm particularly excited about. And then Spooky World has Kane Hodder threatening to physically murder you, the viewer, in real life for real. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta give the edge to Spooky World because of Kane Hodder just going, Hey, you didn't come to Spooky World. I will do a murder on you and come to your home and kill you in real life. Yeah, so um, it's not above Spooky World, but it's definitely above Blood on the Badge because it doesn't mm. have blackface in it. You know, blackface is an automatic demerit, and I feel like if you're asking now, and the thing is with Blood on the Badge, if you if we use that as a movie, and you're asking me to put anything above or below that, I'm putting everything we ever do after this above Blood on the Badge, unless the the new thing also has blackface in it. Well, well, yeah. I mean, there is stuff yeah. significantly lower than that that maybe sure because by that metric, E Demon should be <laughs> above. Oh, that. yeah. Oh, E-Demon is, is terrible. But I would argue Blood on the Badge is still a better film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree, yeah. So, Blood on the Badge, alright, so here's here's what I would do. I think this goes above the unexplained Witches, Werewolves, and Vampires featuring our host Peter Graves. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I would put it above that, but um, I think probably... Alright, probably below... Hashtag horror. Oh, at least, so so it's yeah. it's worse than hashtag horror. I think it's worse than hashtag horror because at least hashtag horror has two things. It has Timothy Hutton, who I adore because of Leverage, and it features a thing that Christina and I still yell at each other all the time, which is "Mom would never screen my calls," <laughs> um, and it's it's it, great. It, it's it's uh, paid for itself entirely because of that. For the hour and a half I sunk into hashtag horror. So yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number 273, uh, below hashtag horror, but above the unexplained witches, werewolves, and vampires is Walt Disney World Inside Out October Halloween episode from Rare Halloween Videos. And guys, we really cannot, we're not even taking money from Rare Halloween Videos. We just want everybody to hit up this website. We just found it through a Google search. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's guys, it's so good. Um, so yeah, so I feel, I feel pretty good about that. So let's do uh, let's do a couple of listener requests, I think, yeah? Yeah, so let's talk about um, Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday, uh, requested oh, by man. C. Perry. Hey, C. Perry. Um, so, Quincy, have you seen Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday? I have not seen Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Okay, because you, you haven't seen a lot of Friday the 13th movies generally. No, I've seen the first... And the second, the second's got Muffins the dog. Yep, has Muffins. So yep. I've seen the first, the second, the third one's with the bikers, or is that the second one? Yeah, the third one's with the bikers, everything's in 3D. Okay, third one with the bikers in 2D, and then takes Manhattan, and then the newest one and Freddy vs. Jason. Right, so I'm, I'm, I'm not the, even going to lie to you. The remake and Freddy vs. Jason, those are the ones well, I haven't seen. There we go. Here's the thing. You are not missing a goddamn thing from not having seen, like, parts four or five. I would say six is my favorite of the series. I think it's the best out of the series. Um, but, all right, so here's the thing with Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. I kind of stand for this movie in the way that I stand for Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare. In that, I feel like... Uh, okay, so I dig, if you will, a picture, right? You have watched, by the time you get to Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday, 
eight basically identical garbage slasher movies with plots that were devised entirely via, hey, what if Jason stabbed a guy through a window this time? Or, hey, what if he came out of a spooky lake? And it's just the dumbest bullshit in the world, over and over again, until Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday is such an oddity in the vein of Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare, I, I, am, I have a weird fondness for it because, A, it was directed by a young 20-something kid who, for whatever reason, the studio was like, let's give this kid the last movie in this enormous cash cow franchise for Paramount. And it features um, a thing that I think about a lot called the homoerotic shaving scene. Now, the plot of Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday, it starts out with uh, a lady who, you know, she shows up at Camp Crystal Lake, goes into a house, you know, tries turning the lights on, but oh no, the electricity is off, so she takes a shower, etc. You, you've seen this a million times, and you know exactly where this is going. Boom, Jason pops up. Oh no, he's chasing a sexy lady through the woods. He's about to kill her, and then suddenly, giant floodlights shoot on. He is surrounded by a SWAT team, just like motherfuckers with grenades and SWAT vests and assault rifles, and they're just, like, blasting the shit out of Jason Voorhees. They throw a grenade and blow him the fuck up. His head flies off. His heart detaches from his exploding body, and so it starts out with, like, all right, Jason Voorhees is dead. But, so his uh, his body parts go to the morgue, and the guy doing the autopsy is looking at his still-beating Jason heart and eats it because he's, like, possessed by it. And it basically puts forward the idea that Jason is not so much a person as, like, a possessing entity who can jump from body to body. And so Jason is, he bookends this movie. He, Jason himself in the big hulking hockey mask body is in the beginning of this film and is at the end of this film. But most of this film has no Jason in it. It is a weird fucking oddity of a movie. Uh, but a thing that I value so much about Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday is that there is a scene where uh, Jason is preparing the next body that he wants to jump into. So he's got a guy strapped naked to a table and he is just shaving the guy's face very gently <laughs> and just shaving the guy and the, the the director of the movie was like well listen I was tasked with making a Friday the 13th movie I had watched a bunch of these fucking movies and all of them featured sort of titties flopping out all over the place and I thought it was really exploitative and I didn't care for it so I was like okay well if I've got titties flopping out in this movie I need an equal amount of like dong flop to to balance out this movie so I'm gonna need a naked dude strapped to a table getting shaved by Jason um, and it's honestly it's a gross gory weird confusing upsetting movie that ends with uh, Freddy Krueger's claw bursting through the earth and pulling a hockey mask into hell to set up Freddy versus Jason see that's very um, frustrating because the poster for this movie traumatized my entire childhood Oh, yeah, the snake like, popping I through the hockey mask. I actively avoided that fucking snake turd my whole <laughs> life. I've run away right. from it. In because some ways, I've him... never stopped running away from it. But <laughs> <laughs> As an adult, the snake haunts you. Yeah, so it's like to know that that's not even in the movie, that's just a poster. <laughs> Yeah, here's the thing. The snake is not in the movie, and also Jason does not go to hell until the very end of the movie. Because with a movie called Jason Goes to Hell, you're picturing, you know, the, the cover of the movie, which all of us were traumatized by when we were kids at the Video Shack, where it's like, the flames of hell in the background and a big shiny hockey mask with a snake 
a spooky snake poking through the eye hole of the hockey mask. And as a kid, you're like, whoa, Jason must literally be in hell getting fucking attacked by snakes and shit. And then it turns out, like, uh, no, no, it's, um, you know, he, he maybe goes to hell at the end. It's left really ambiguous. So um, I've been reading Michael Gingold's Ad Nauseum, which is... Uh, this guy's personal collection of newspaper clippings of 1980s horror advertisements. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it's the best fucking coffee table book I've ever seen. Uh, oh, it's wow. put out by 1984 Publishing, and it's just these full glossy pages of every weird horror movie that was advertised in the New York Times from 1980 to 1989. Damn. But also, this whole false advertising shenanigans is not new because if anything i'm getting excited for movies that i've seen and ostensibly know are crap but the movie posters are so good i'm like i gotta see that these advertisements are like he leaves hell behind him it's like yeah i want to watch that shit so like another book that you all need to check out is this um ad nauseum by michael gingold it's super good yeah so like the yeah i mean the cover of the movie like being you know the sort of the snake popping through the mask and you know the tagline is evil has finally found a home and it's called jason goes to hell the final friday which by the way sorry when part four of the franchise was called the final chapter (laughs) and we're on motherfucking part nine maybe don't use final again as a thing um at least, you know, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, you know, concludes. Anyway, um, the thing here, and I think my main takeaway from Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, Jason Voorhees should not exist post-Ronald Reagan. I think Jason is a creature of the 80s, and he was a very particular manifestation of uh, 80s morality, and the political culture and the religious culture with, like, moral panic that, like, Jason was weaponized puritanical, you know, punishment from God that if you fuck or smoke weed or drink or disobey your parents, then Jason's going to cut you the fuck up. And I feel like Jason Goes to Hell coming out in 1993, a year in which Candyman came out. Fuck out of here with Jason Goes to Hell. Like, Jason has no exist has no business existing in 1993, and I think that's a big problem I have with the movie. So, do you want to put it above or below um, the Kane Hodder story at number 178? Ooh. Uh, uh, why did I sound like James Hetfield from Metallica? Ooh. Um, let's, <laughs> Some kind of monster. Monster! Yeah! Um, I would uh, put it below... Kane Hodder, uh, uh, Kane Hodder's bio, uh, not biopic, um, his documentary, at least because, um, I, I, well, because at least Kane Hodder, his documentary has a lot of him in it. Kane Hodder is in this movie at the very beginning and the very end, and also he plays a security guard who gets killed very quickly by Jason in this movie, and it makes me sad that you can tell that Kane Hodder himself who never gets enough respect from the makers of this fucking franchise for actually attempting to give Jason any kind of characterization. For showing up. For showing up and giving the character any goddamn thought. So and, let's you know, talk and... about how the motherfucker from the Disney documentary can't even show up, and Kane Hodder's over here going, <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm doing my best. <laughs> oh, do a thing called Spooky World? Yeah, I'll give it the old Kane Hodder try. <laughs> like, and, and you could tell that him playing a security guard in, in Jason Goes to Hell was him going, guys, please let me be in the movie a little more. And then, and then going, ugh, fine, Kane Hodder. 
Um, so going purely by that, I'm I'm gonna put uh, the Kane Hodder story above Jason Goes to Hell. Now, what about Blue Monkey? Mm. Oh, actually, well above Blue Monkey, and honestly, if I'm if I'm being real here, I would put this movie, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the Final Friday. I'm honestly, I would put it above Stitches from 2012, the Killer Clown movie. Okay. Okay. Because as far as like straight to straight to video schlock like Stitches, which I really honestly I kind of enjoyed Stitches. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I would put this above that at least because this is I respect so much that the movie was wildly ambitious for being a like an eighth uh, sequel in a franchise that never that had half an idea to begin with, and it was trying to do something with maybe adding a bit to Jason Voorhees' like mythology that it tries introducing this really garbage like bullshit continuity where it's like trying to give you rules like through a Voorhees was he born and only through a Voorhees can he be reborn and only a Voorhees can kill him where it's like motherfucker it's just been Jason and you're telling me that he's got like an extended family fuck off but you know it tries doing something with the mythology that you know eight previous movies didn't fucking care about and it was trying to do something so purely for that I give it points for ambition, I guess. So what's better, Zygote, which takes a formula that works, aliens, and tries to just make an alien made out of mutant hands, or this Friday the 13th sequel that's trying Ooh. to do something with, uh, you know, a turd? That's that, <laughs> with a, Yeah, it's, it's bedazzling the fuck out of that turd. I would put it below Zygote, because I think Zygote has a clarity of purpose that Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday certainly does not fucking have, and above Stitches from 2012, which features an English comedian um, being a greasy clown. It's a lot of fun, but it's not as good. All right, so that's number 180. So, Quincy, uh, tell our listeners where they can find us on the internet. Well, if they have a listener request like C. Perry, they can go to our Tumblr, rankandvile.tumblr.com and slide that in our ask box or they can email us directly at rankandvilecast at gmail.com if you run rare Halloween videos or if you were in one of these Walt Disney World television shows getting pedantic about the origins of Halloween we want to hear from you so shoot us an email as well we also want to hear from you if you um, want to talk to us pretty much anyone advertising saying hi um meeting up at a convention uh, criticizing our rankings criticizing anything especially if you want to give us free stuff uh so shoot us an email rankinvilecast at gmail.com we're on twitter at rankinvilecast where we are recommending um every children's horror movie that's not spookily the square <laughs> pumpkin we're on Instagram at Rank and Vile, and we're on Letterboxd, where you can see a uh, version of our list. Let me tell you, um, it doesn't hit you how much bad stuff is on the list until mm -hmm. you see pictures of the video cases, and then you go, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that's like no, like there's yeah, a very see a clear line where you're like, mm, stop you here." And you can just see the visualization of how shit this movie is, just in looking at the cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan, where else are we available online? Uh, yeah, we're on Instagram, just rank and vile. Tumblr, just rank and vile. If you have any requests, uh, rank and vile cast at Gmail or the Ask Box on Tumblr. 
Um, and yeah, I, uh, our Letterboxd, uh, we're, um, we've also got a YouTube channel where we're putting together uh, different playlists. Uh, uh, I think the most popular one right now is uh, Movie Tie-In Raps, which I was also just on uh, my buddy's podcast uh, for One Batch, Two Batch, where we were talking about the um, tie-in rap from Maniac Cop 2, which features the lyric, set him on fire, shot him with a Uzi, but he'll show up in your jacuzzi. Um, extremely important. Yo, um, uh, also important for you ghouls out there, Cavity Colors put their Maniac Cop 2 shirts on clearance. So if you go to CavityColors.com, you can get a Maniac Cop 2 shirt where the Maniac Cop is on fire, like in the most significant scene of that movie. Man, that fire gag in Maniac Cop 2 is still one of the best fire gags I've ever seen in it's the movie. So um, it's so good. It's that, that movie's so much better than it has any right to be, even aside from it's great right up until the very end of the thing where somebody is opining about a thing and they're like, you know, every police officer has a little bit of Cordell in them. And then I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's... that did not age well. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly fucking did not. Um, but that is all I got. You got anything else? Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks. <laughs>